We're continuing a series that when I'm speaking that we're looking at on unlikely heroes. And this morning we're going to look at the story of a, a lady called Rahab, the most unlikeliest person you could ever think of that could find God working in and through her life. It's a remarkable story. For some of us, it'd be very well known. Others of us, maybe not quite so much. So that's where we're going to go. Let's pray just for a moment. Father God, thank you you for your sense of your presence as we've gathered, gathering and gathered here this morning. And we pray now that, that we continue to hear what you have to say. That theme of your heart, just hearing your heartbeat for our lives and a life as a church and in our town. We just pray that right here, right now, you will continue to speak and that I will have ears to hear what you have to say to me. And for each of us, for our families, our lives, our work, our circumstance and situation, just want to hear what you want to say into my heart and mind. For some of us this morning, it could be a lifesaver. Others of us, it will stir something afresh. We just keep our hearts open and say, Holy Spirit, bring, reveal to us the heart, the mind, the will of Father God, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. Joshua chapter 2. I want to read uh, some verses together. So should we just turn, if you have your Bible, to Joshua 2 verse 1. It says that that Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent out two spies from uh, Shechem. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly, that you may catch up with them. But, uh, she, uh, but she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under stalks of flax. Um, she laid out on, uh, she'd laid out on the roof, rather, sorry. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went onto the roof. Uh, and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you, that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in the fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts sank, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is the God in heaven above and on the earth below. It's an interesting thing that she says there. I'm going to pick up on that. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that they and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. 
So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so that the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house. If any of them go outside of your house into the street, their blood will be upon their own heads. We will not be responsible as those who are in the house with you. Their blood will be on our head if um, a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you have made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed. She tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. Throughout the Bible, I'm encouraged that God chooses ordinary people to achieve extraordinary things. I know I've said that while we're looking at this theme, over, we've been looking at this theme for a few weeks, you'll hear me say it again and again. I'm just incredibly encouraged. You see throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Bible is so clear, it's so real, it's so honest about life and people. It doesn't cover up, it doesn't gloss over, it doesn't seem to airbrush to make you look better than what you are and what I am. It's, it, it, it's warts and all. It's, 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 God accepts us for who we are, but doesn't want to leave us where we are. He wants to take us on in him. But the Bible is so clear. The revelation of God is so clear. Um, think of Jesus born in, a, in, a, in a, a feeding trough in a little town that wasn't particularly anything special. He didn't, have a, you know, it wasn't, didn't appear to be a special life initially. Born to a, 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 a simple family. L- lived in a town called Nazareth, which, which the, the people of the day said, what, can anything good come from Nazareth? It was a little town in the middle of nowhere. There was nothing about it. It seemed really incredibly ordinary. A man called Moses uh, was called by God to speak and lead a million people to freedom. And he went, ah, ah, well, I, I, I'm not, I can't speak. He had a stutter. And he was used to do amazing miracles. We remember him for his greatness and the miracles. But what we forget, there was incredibly ordinary. Incredibly ordinary. God does incredible, extraordinary things through ordinary people. People like me, people like you. He makes heroes out of zeros. You know, this lady... This lady, Rahab, in her day would have been classed as a real a zero, as, as a nothing, as a nobody. And God is in the business of making heroes out of zeros. Throughout, throughout the whole Bible, again and again, we only see them 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years later, look at the Old Testament, from the perspective of them being giants. But on the day, on their day, they shook 
They cried. They wept. They ran away. They fled. They got depressed. They got hurt. They got upset. God does extraordinary things through people like you and me. And that's what I'm excited by. And that's why we're taking the theme, Unlikely Heroes. Okay. Rahab. Rahab. Let me tell you, Rahab is not a superhero. In actual fact, she would be classed as a bit of a zero. Uh, not that I want to label anyone um, badly, but a couple, number of things that you see from the text there that speak about her life. Um, she wouldn't be probably, <laughs> actual fact, I say at zero on the scale of ordinary, she would have been in the minus category, if there is such a category, because we don't want to categorize anyone. But for the sake of it, just this morning, she wouldn't have been at zero. She'd be at minus. Look, in, in her culture of the day, she comes from a patriarchal culture. You know, Eastern cultures, very patriarchal. Some parts of the world uh, in the East to this day, it's male-orientated, patriarchal, okay? And so that's the culture that she would have come from. And so to be a woman in that culture well, was an incredibly challenging thing. Incredibly challenging. In, in our Western culture, you know, with equality, there's still challenges. There are still challenges. I don't doubt that. But in, in Eastern culture, um, she would be at a place on the minus in the sense of opportunity in life. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm trying to get at. It, it's, it's, it may be difficult for us, to, maybe for me to enter in to fully understand that. But, but on the opportunities of life in a patriarchal culture, and you can go to parts of the world to this day in a patriarchal culture... Being female, it it puts you at minus. It puts you at uh, disadvantage. And uh, she's a woman. Not only is she a woman, she's a Canaanite. Comes from she's an indigenous population. The Canaanites were pagan. They believed in many gods. Uh, Throughout in the in the in that that the instructions to Joshua and the people when they settled the land would be not to merge, not to mingle with the Canaanite people. It was death to the Canaanites because the Canaanites were a pagan race. It was a sense of you, you cannot take the gods that they follow. And uh, it was a, a, a pagan culture and a, a, a licentious culture, an immoral culture. It was filled with all sorts of stuff. And she comes from Jericho's a Canaanite city. The Israelites are about to invade the, 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 the Canaanite country. And uh, so, she, so she's got that. And, and not only that, she's a prostitute. The Bible's really clear. And so she would have been an outcast in her own society. Tell you why I think that as well. Uh, it's the case. It says that her home is in the city wall. It's a little giveaway, a bit later on. I think it's verse 20-something. Bit, bit further down, verse 21 maybe, it, I, I think it says, um, bit, bit, maybe a bit further up, but it's somewhere around there, it, it says that she lets the spies down for her house was on the wall. She was placed as far as you could get away from the rest of the population. I don't know if that, was, that wasn't lost to me when I read that. Her house is on the wall, so the spies are able to escape. She's, her house is built into the wall or on the wall, something like that. And so her, 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 her dwelling place was, was, she was on the, not on the fringe of society, she would have been outside of the society, almost. Talk about having no chance in life. Rahab is a remarkable woman. We'll look at this this morning. Because she becomes an incredible hero 
But she does not stop. She starts at, at, at below zero, I would say. Um, when you think that you have nothing going for you in your life, maybe this morning you think there's not much going for me in my life, in my work, in my heart, and, you know, it's not going right, the, the plans I have aren't, aren't, aren't you know. Um, if, if maybe you feel that you're not good enough, you've got nothing to offer, maybe think, you know, the, your, your hopes and aspirations in your job or in church and in life, you don't think that you've got, maybe got much to offer, it's not gone the way you'd hoped, you can't see it. Uh, perhaps you might not think that anyone's listening to you, you don't get listened to, you're overlooked, God's not listening, people don't listen, your, your family and friends and then have a heart, be encouraged with Rahab because God specializes in the world of zeros. God, honestly, Jesus specializes. He specializes. It seems to bring out the heart of God to the broken, the bruised and uh, to people just like you and me. So I want to look at some hero, um, hero qualities that we see in Rahab's life. You'll see them in the text, three things. Uh, first of all, she risks her life so she didn't have a great start and, and uh, opportunity, but she makes her opportunity. She shows some amazing qualities. Have a look at these. She risks her life. Verse 4, we read, it says, the king says, let me know, tell me, bring them out. Let the, these men who have gone into your home, they're spies. Many men would have gone into her home. The king had some intelligence. Many men would have gone to her home. That's maybe why the spies did go to her home, possibly, to try and dip under the radar. But the king had intelligence of some spies coming their ways. And, they, and so, but she goes against the, um, the words of the king. She risks her life. She hides the spies. She goes against what he says about letting him know, bringing them out. And she, she lies and covers for them. She hides them. She actually hides them uh, on, on the rooftop of her house and lies to the king. And so the first thing we see is risk, sacrifice. Time and time again, throughout Bible history, throughout, and throughout church history, and throughout life and faith history, it's when people prepare to give their all. I don't have anything to give, I've just got me. When you sacrifice, when we're prepared to give, and there's something about Rahab where she's prepared to just give herself It really speaks that. It's risk. She risks her life. She risks her very life. But um, there's something about giving yourself to God. When I first became a Christian, you you would probably identify with this, but I said, Jesus, I'm I'm just going to give you my life, no matter where it's going to take me. I had a, a sense of a step of it was exciting, but was into the unknown. As I said, whatever, you, wherever. There's something about giving yourself. When I speak of sacrifice, of giving over your life, giving my life. And Rahab does this. When she resists the king and gives herself to God, it's a powerful thing to do. To resist myself, me, my, and I, and say, I'm going to give you my God. You know, that voice in your head that says, you're not going to achieve, you're not going to go, don't do that, do this. And you give, yourself, you give it to God, you give yourself to God. Like hearing God this morning, hearing God. You know, for me this morning was great. Uh, in the sense of, I needed to hear God for me. I need to hear God for me. As a pastor, I always look into here for others all the time. 
It's, it's not a heavy load, but it is a heavy load. It's not because I don't go around thinking, ooh, ooh, ooh. But after a while, it, it creeps up on you. And so in the worship, I felt, I had, uh, you know, Annette spoke, gave me a word. But before that, in the worship, I was speaking to God, and I didn't even know that we were here. I had an experience of just being, and even though I was brushing up against my Helen, was worshipping beside me. Sometimes we jostles, we're raising our hands in the air. It's like, get out of my way, you know. And uh, I didn't even know that she was there, and I saw God, and I was saying to God, I said some things about myself that I wasn't, I'm not happy about. I don't like this about me. And I reeled off about a dozen things that are not good in my life. And then I felt, God, I heard God say, I'll take them all. I take it all. And I felt just come off my shoulders, just like that. We need to hear God for ourselves, don't we? As well as church. You need a prophetic word. And then, and then lo and behold, about 20 minutes later, um, 10, 15 minutes later, Annette shares something with me as well. You know, it's as we say, I give. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my all. It's the sacrifice. Well, you might not be called to actually literally give your life, as in to die for him. But there is something to spiritually die for. To love to be with him. To give over a habit to him. To give over certain plans to him. Uh, to risk. And we see this in her. She's an amazing, amazing thing happens. You could say that she had nothing to, everything to lose, everything to gain. You know, life couldn't get any worse for her. She was at the edge anyway, and she could see something coming. And this is probably more to the point. So we're called to give up, to give our lives, to sacrifice. The first thing we see in her life is that she risks. Second thing we see is this. She gets a revelation. She has a revelation of God. You know, she, uh, she says this. He says, our hearts are melting. Everybody's hearts are melting as we hear the amazing things that God is doing. He said this, and our hearts sank and everyone's courage failed. For the Lord your God, look at this, it's in verse 11. For the Lord your God is a God in heaven above and on the earth below. She says, your Lord your God is a God in the heavens above and on the earth below. You might say, well, you know, I know that. She's a Canaanite. Canaanites had different gods for different areas. They had gods on the hills. They had gods over uh, abundance, fertility, crops. They had different gods for rivers. They had gods of the plains, the wide open land, gods over cities. Canaan was made up of lots of city-states. Jericho was a little city-state. The king would have been a king over that city. And they had certain gods over their city. So she was used to having lots of different gods. And then... Bang! Look at this. Something's dropped into her spirit. She sees the one and true and only God. And she acknowledges the one true God. Something happens. She has a revelation. She says, I see this God, your God, is the God of all gods, the God of heaven and the whole of the earth. And I want to give my life to him. That's what she's basically saying in this story. It's a revelation. You know, we need a revelation. You and I need. It breaks through. And... Um, so in this, she's putting her faith, she's putting her faith, not in all of these other gods, but the only one, one true God, the God of all gods, the God of everything, okay? And uh, in the midst of her fear, it struck fear into all of the people, she says. She's fearful. The whole the land is melting. The powerful words, the strong words that they're using. Everything is melting away. 
We're, we're, we're running in uh, uh, terror. They were terrorized by what was happening in Israel and the Israelites coming their way. It's like a tsunami was coming their way. And they were running in terror. The film Jaws on the beach. That, that music always gets, still gets to me to this day. But it's a film from the 1970s, so it's a bit older. The rubbery shark that jumps out now isn't, isn't scary. At the time, it was terrifying. Now it's, you think, ha, ha, ha. It's not even animatronic. It's a bit of rubber just being thrown up in the air. But the camera angle of the people in the water and then running. And this is what was happening. They're, they're, these people are terrorized. They're running. They're melting. And she puts, she, in, the, in what she sees, she sees the facts. She faces the fear and yet embraces fear. Trusting in God, a faith. You know, um, she wasn't ruled by what she could see, the circumstance. She was ruled by what God revealed over the circumstance. What was beginning to dawn on her? Now, for you and me, you may, be, you may you know, have a very difficult time at work. It may be a very challenging time in our town. You, 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 you may be not in the place that you hope to be. It may be that the finances and, and, and what happened in life were being constricted, the circumstance, circumstance. And it can cause us to think, have I messed up? Is God messed up? It, it can make us feel um, you know, incredibly anxious. We, we can become depressed. We can be melting. But in the midst of that fear, and it's not wrong to feel like that, we can face the fear in faith. There's lots of positive books about feel the fear and do it anyway. But forget that. In faith. This, this God of all gods. And she has a revelation. We need a revelation. You and I need a revelation. Um, do you know, and so I would put it like this. A revelation is not hiding our head in the sand, but hiding our hearts in God. You know, you and I, I don't hide my head in the sand and say, oh, it's not there. And if I don't look at it and it it all turn out all right in the end. And if I just look at some positive things, that's hiding the head in the sand, as it were. We're called to hide our hearts in God. Put my heart and hide it in God. Uh, All of the, it appears all of the ordinary people all say, I'm no good. I'm no good. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm rubbish. I'm rubbish. And yet they, and and they, they, they seem to be wanting to run away but ultimately give their hearts and hide them in God. And God takes that and says, that's enough for me. Now we can, now we can do something. Now we can do something extraordinary. And that's what she did when she said, I see. You know, God is not moved by our profession, but by your confession. It's not who you are, what you can and can't do. I, I, can't, I can't do very much, actually. In fact, I'm... I'm not good at very much, but it's not my profession. It's not what I try and do. And, and, and uh, more and more, I, I, I'm feeling that it's not about what, who, who I am and what I do, but who God is and what he does. I haven't quite fully got that, but I'm on the journey of getting that more and more, and it's taking a lot of pressure off my life. And this is what she's discovering. Um, God isn't moved by our profession, but our confession. By that, I mean, it's not by who you are, what you can do, what you can't do. What I can't do is more than what I can do, I can assure you. And it's not that. God is, is moved by my confession. I can't do this, but I'm going to give you my life. That's my confession. And that's what moves the heart and hand of God. If only we could get that, we'll move mountains. 
we, I understand what Jesus is saying. I'm beginning to understand after 30 something years, 36 years of Christian, when Jesus talks about moving mountains. Finally, she risks, so she, there's this sacrifice, I'm giving my life. Uh, there's a revelation. She, she puts her trust as faith, uh, hiding her heart and not a head in the sand. And finally, she rests in the promise of the spies. The spies make her a promise. You put this, um, this um, uh, scarlet cord in the window, and for our lives, for your lives, yep, we agree that we will pass this back, and when we take the land, if you stay as a family in the room together, it's a bit like you, you will be saved. You will be saved. That's the promise that the spies give her. She's, she's got to trust that. She puts this scarlet cord in the window, and uh, I don't know about you, but when I, you know, pray and I'm walking with God and I'm believing that he's speaking into my life, when I walk away and, and then I face a challenge, I sometimes think, did I really hear you, Lord? Are you really going to do that? Maybe this ain't going to work out. No, this can't be right. And I sort of think, going back, if that's what I feel like, I think Rahab would have felt like that, don't you? In, in the days and, and the weeks and the days that went by as the army was getting ready to come their way. Um, there's something about um, persevering in the promise. There's something powerful in perseverance. There's something powerful about about trusting in the promise, um, of persisting, of persevering in the promise. I'm, I'm sure that with Rahab, she would have wavered at times, but... No, she comes through. The story goes, and it's an amazing story. Some extraordinary things happen in her lives. We'll look at that as we conclude. But she, she does come through. But there's a desire for perseverance. She rests in the promise. Be still and know that I am God. It's great. I quote that a lot. I've, I've quoted it, and I've, I've held it on to my own life. It's, it's very nice to just rest and feel great. But there are times when I'm being still, and I don't feel very good but we can still know God. Just because you don't feel good, that's part of being human and being shaken. You can still know God. Rest in the promise. Persevere. Persevere. Lay hold of the promise. Get, get, get God's promise for your heart and for your life. This is the key that I have found in my own heart and my life that gives me, it's given me immense strength beyond my own abilities. Um, it's extraordinary what happens. You know, um, with Rahab, um, she is um, she's known for, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, it says of Rahab, well, they do take the land and they see the, the scarlet cord. They do um, re- release her family. Her whole, her whole family are, um, survive. Not only do they survive, but they're taken into Israel. They're not just survive, but they're actually um, embraced as family. Uh, we'll see that in a minute, and this is why I say this. Some extraordinary things happen. It, it's so extraordinary that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, um, Rahab is included in the great heroes of faith. If you read Hebrews 11, it speaks of Moses and Abraham and some other giants. And then this lady, Rahab, turns up. There's a hall of fame that has many, many millions of people in it, in the heavenly realms. And some of them are identified, and Moses, and Abraham, and then Rahab. Look at this. It says, by faith, the prostitute Rahab. The Bible is so honest, isn't it? Don't gloss over. 
The prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. By faith, she's honoured for great faith. She's a great hero. A great hero to model our lives on. The prostitute who has changed. How about that? Isn't that amazing? It jumped out the page to me. But not only that, that now, so they survive, they live, they're adopted into Israelite culture. Many centuries later, she's in the the Hall of Fame. But look look at this. She, She turns up in Matthew chapter 1. And in Matthew chapter 1, I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't downloaded all of it, but in Matthew chapter 1, in chap, chapter 1, is all of the, about the genealogy of Jesus. In Eastern culture, they would like to follow the family line through the husband. Okay? And um, if you read, turn to it yourself at some stage. I'm not going to put it all up on the screen, but just a little bit to suffice. But Rahab appears... In the genealogy of Jesus. Yes. Yes. The genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. The prostitute Rahab. It's extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. Look at this. Um, I'll read just the first bit because I've I've got it up on the, and I highlighted her. But um, it says of Rahab, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, he's the kinsman redeemer, quite an amazing guy himself, whose mother was Rahab. Goes on, Boaz the father of Obed, uh, whose mother was Ruth, uh, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David, David the father of Solomon. And it, it follows on all the way down, if you read all of, of Matthew chapter 1, right the way down and follows to the line of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Rahab is absolutely astounding. It's extraordinary from an earthly point of view. From an earthly point of view. She's in the genealogical line of David and Jesus, the Messiah. It's extraordinary. Now, when I say not just a little one-liner, we can go from minus zero to hero. If we give our lives to God, he takes ordinary people and does extraordinary things. It really does. It's absolutely, incredibly remarkable. Rahab is included in God's plan for the Messiah. How about that? How about that? You know, you can achieve extraordinary things, not because you believe in yourself, but because we believe in God and give him ourselves. People say today, you know, just believe it. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. You know, just if you believe in yourself, you, you, you achieve whatever your dreams. I, I, I understand what they're saying. But I would say this. You can achieve, you and I can achieve extraordinary things, not because we believe in ourselves, but because we believe in God and give him ourselves. It's different. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. Of, now, so I would say this with the proviso. Of course, we need a bit of self-belief. I do understand that. I understand a little bit of that. So I, 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 I get that. We need a bit of self-belief, esteem, you know, be built up. But it's that, that belief, it's, it's founded and grounded on a God belief. 
It's founded and grounded on a God belief. That's why we've got to tell the world that Jesus lives. We've got to tell the world that Jesus lives. Do you know, I don't know about you, let's live extraordinary lives. You can live an extraordinary life if you give your heart to him. Let's pray. Let's pray. So I'm not going to call the worship team back this morning. I want you just to just cogitate, meditate just for a moment, just for a second, that's all. And just think for a moment and give your heart for a moment afresh. Just do it, give it to him. What excites me is that we're going to be released to be church without walls. This morning we're gathered, church, so we've got walls around us, okay? We're gathered. But when we scatter from here, we're still church, but there are no walls. We're going around in life. That, to me, is incredible. If we can get this, the world will know that Jesus lives. We can see extraordinary things happen in our lives when we become the church without walls, wherever we go. Heavenly Father, this morning, will you take our hearts and take our lives? We want to open up our hearts and minds to you. We say that we love you, we honour you, we give ourselves to you. This morning, we understand that that takes risk sacrifice. So I'm going to give myself to you. The situation and the circumstance, I can see that it, it takes revelation. I can see the circumstance and I'm worried, but I, I'm going to just believe. I'm going to have faith. I know this fear, but I'm going to have faith in you. I'm going to trust you. And, and, th- and then as you speak into my heart and life, uh, I'm going to just trust that promise and I'm going to persevere. Give me strength, Holy Spirit, to just Step out and reach out in you. And now, Father, I pray that there is a release of the power of your spirit in us, through us, and amongst us. And when we go from here, and wherever we go, there will be a wave of your presence. May we be released in the power of your love and the goodness of your presence. May we know something sweet, powerful, intoxicating of the the mercy and grace of of your love, Jesus. That Rahab, that Rahab, was bathed and washed with grace and freedom. Now that's what, just like us today, we're washed and bathed in freedom and grace for what our past is no longer held over us. But your, your hands will reach out to us. And so take our lives in the name of Jesus. And may we go this morning in the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.